0: Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. And Heavenly Father, we praise you, Lord God. Lord God, help us to recognize everything, Lord God, within us, Lord God. Everything for your glory, Lord God. Help us to see, Lord God, the way you see, Lord God. In the name of Christ Jesus, I pray, Lord God, that you will help, help us see the way you see us, Lord God. One another, Lord God. Your glory, Lord God. Be the, the church, Lord God, you want us to be, Father. I praise you, Lord God, and I know you're right here in this place. Lord God, I pray that you break down walls today, that your Holy Spirit is just so heavy on us this morning, Lord God, that you, we can't deny your presence right here. We can't deny, Lord God, the testimony of our King, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, Lord God. Everything is so hard, Lord God, I pray in the name of Christ, you just help us to do the internal work, Lord God, to allow you to dig the ground up, Lord God, so that we can actually praise you with everything, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord, amen. Dude, man, did you see who was here, man? (laughs) Praise God, man. Praise the Lord. I'm actually talking about Jesus. You were thinking about Blake, right? (laughs) Yeah, okay. Yeah, him too. Yeah, that's pretty cool, (laughs) right? Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Right on. Happy Mother's Day. Woo! Can I get a shout out for Happy Mother's Day? Woo! All you mamas. Right on. Praise the Lord. This is not a Mother's Day message. Sorry. All right? Every day is a Mother's Day message. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord, man. Come on, man. Well, check this out. I want to challenge the kind of th- the thinking that, that Pastor Blake was leading us in when he, we were talking about everything. Say everything. Amen. Now, man, I want you to say everything. everything. Woo! Everything. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Think about that, man. You know, how different would that song we were just singing right now be if we were just singing with something? You know what I mean? With just something, man, you know what? I feel good about something. You know what I mean? With something, I'm going to praise your name. With something, I'm going to glorify you. All right? Think about how different that would be, right? It wouldn't be very fun to sing, but I got a question for you. All right? Check this out. I'll put it up there right now. Check this out. Why, Why do we believe when it comes to a heart for God, something has to be good enough because everything is way too crazy? Why do we convince ourselves, man, that, that, that something is just good enough, man? Because I, I got a lot of somethings everywhere. And so my everything is kind of hard to gather up, right? Because I got something over here, something over here, something over there. I got something back there. And I'm, got, I'm hoping to put something on that one over there. So when it comes to gathering everything, man, something just got it. I give God a little something, right? Why do we believe that? Why do we convince ourselves, man, when it comes to a heart for God? something has to be good enough, man, because everything is just way too crazy. All right, check this out. If it's is your first time here, <laughs> welcome. All right, but it gets crazy in here. All right, it gets a little crazy around. See, you, see that's what I'm talking about. All right, <laughs> they know. It gets a little crazy here because you know what? We ain't going to sit still. Amen. And we ain't going backwards. Amen. All right, this is about about being full on for Christ, amen? This is about being full on for Jesus because you know what? That's all there is, man, because everything is because of Jesus. Everything consists in Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. Everything comes from Jesus, amen? Come on, say everything one more time. You guys got to help me preach here this morning. Come on, man. Praise the Lord, amen? Everything, right? But man, you know what? Everything's kind of a challenge, though, ain't it? It just is. There's a verse that I come to a lot. Every once in a while, I get a verse or one like it because it's kind of something, something that's said throughout the scriptures. And, and every time I'm, I hit this verse, it kind of challenges me, man, to, to, you know, to do some work, man. It's this verse right here Psalms 103, uh, verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, in all, everything that is within me, all right, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within, that sounds really good to say, it sounds pretty churchy, doesn't it, it sounds like, song- we even wrote songs about that verse, right, and it sounds real easy to just kind of cut loose every once in a while, so kind of throw up out of your mouth, Brrr, hey, bless the Lord, yeah, oh my soul, you know what I mean, everything is always within me, it sounds right, it sounds like we should be saying it. But I'll tell you, just to be honest with you, every time I'm sitting in my front yard and I'm reading this, and I'm reading the scriptures, I come across this, I'm like, oh man, here we go again. Because it seems like, you know what? When we read something like that, we're like, okay, that's a good introduction. Let's get to the meat of the word. That is the meat. The everything is the meat that God is looking for. All right, because every time I read that verse, I'm, I'm challenged to examine my everything. All right, because sometimes something is all I really wanna give, if anything. Is it just me? Oh man, I'm preaching to a bunch of holy people here, man. Maybe you need to preach this message to me, all right? Because man, this is tough. This is tough. I'll put it like this, man. A guy once said it this way. He said his wife. He said if I, if I, if I was to come okay, home, if I was to come home, all right, from work one day, and Debbie was to say, "Hey, honey, can you wash the dishes? I'm kind of tired. You know what I mean? I've been working around the house a lot. And if I was to look at her and say, well," um, is this a divorce issue? <laughs> All right. And she would say, are you an idiot? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> well, then I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well or if she, I, and then later she said, wait, you, I'm really, really tired. Man, can you cook dinner? Can you please cook dinner? I'm, I'm just, so, just kind of worn out today. All right. I'm tired. And I would say, "Was well, this a divorce issue? And she said, no, of course not. Well, I don't want to do it. And then if you tell me, if she would tell me every time, you know, hey, would you do this? Would you do this? Would you? And I'll, Divorce this? No, no, I will not do it. My marriage wouldn't last very long, right? Because it would be long till she says, well, I don't want to do it either. Right? But we treat God way worse. Hmm. Is this a salvation issue, God? No? I don't want to do it. Salvation issue, God, no, I don't want to do it. If it ain't a salvation issue, God, I don't want to do it. You know why? Because I want to get by with the least I can do here. Why in the world are we thinking like that? What allows us, why are we convincing ourselves that's okay to think like that? All right, I'm going to challenge you today. Hopefully, man, you're going to be like, dang, I don't know if I should have came. All right, you know what I mean? Well, you know, here we are. (laughs) Too late. All right. (laughs) Last week, Pastor... uh, I almost said Pastor Brad. Uh, Pastor Chad, who sometimes goes by Brad, all right? Um, he was teaching, right? And he said, uh, he was teaching this message on repentance, right? A life of repentance, a life that says, all you, God, all right? And so here we come this week. He's like, okay, well, now what? What, what after that? If, I, if I've given my life to Christ, now what? Prove it. Prove it, man. Because if repentance requires a, a life, to live it out. You see, God is looking for proof. And you're like, is he really? Uh, yeah, I can prove it. Uh, we're, we're in, we've been going through the book of Luke. And, and in these past couple of months, we've been in this sermon that Jesus has been teaching through Luke chapter 12 and the very beginning part of Luke chapter 13. And in this sermon, he's kind of, today, he's kind of wrapping it all up. And he shares this, 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 this message, man that is looking for proof. Check this out. Let's pray. Father, we just give you praise, Lord. This is your word. And we pray in the mighty name of Christ, Lord God, that we can be underneath your word for your glory, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Just praise you. Help us, Lord God, to just be blown away by your word for us, Lord God, because it is mind-blowing in Jesus' name, amen. amen. In Luke chapter 13, verse 6, he told this parable. A man, I right, read this with me. Well, check this out. A man had a fig tree and he planted it in his vineyard. This is, he's wrapping up this whole sermon. Crazy stuff he's been sharing over the past few months. And then he he comes to this point. Let's just wrap it up with this right here. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and he didn't find any. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now, I've come to seek fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground and, and take some of the nutrients in the soil from the other trees around it that are producing fruit? Why should it use up the ground? And the vine answered him. He, says, he answered him. He said, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. And then it should bear fruit next year. If it should bear fruit next year, well, and good. But if not, well, you can cut it down. And so he's wrapping up this this sermon and he drives home this point of what are you going to do about it? That God is looking in his vineyard for fruit. Let's unpack this a little bit. And as we unpack it, let's try to remain underneath God's word and allow God to just speak into your life, because it's going to get crazy. Check this out. In Luke chapter 6, let's start this over again. He told this parable. A parable basically is a story, all right? you know, It could be a fictitious story or even a true story that relates to a spiritual truth that God's trying to help you understand for your life, OK? So that's the parable. And so he tells this story that God wants to help you understand that relates to spiritual truth in your life. He said, a man planted a tree in a vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, and he not find any. And so when you, when you think about it, well, what, what is a vineyard? Let's, let's just kind of do that work real quick. And, and just quickly, a vineyard is a spot that is chosen, separated, and cultivated. Basically, it is chosen for fertility. It's separated from the other fields around it, all right? And it's, and, and it's cultivated with special care solely for fruit. And, and what the crazy thing about a vineyard, all right, is the fruit that's being grown there is not for itself. All right, you know the grapes ain't eating themselves, the figs ain't eating themselves. Therefore, blessings for those around them. All right, That's just what it is. All right, here, you ready for this? Guess what? You're the vineyard here. This is the vineyard. He's not. This is not a message that speaks about the planet and about the world. He's talking about his church. He's talking about his people. Those people who claim the name of Christ, who say, "Yeah, me here, I I'm hear. I'm, I'm one of those." All right, that's what he's talking about. He's all right. He's talking about the vineyard. Right? Then you're the vineyard. This is the vineyard. And the fruit in this sense, man, he's looking looking for a heart, your mind, your life, your everything, all right, turn for God, for his glory. Everything. It's a life that is on mission with Christ, all right, making Jesus known, showing people what he looks like, showing everyone what he looks like. It's the fruit being cultivated in this vineyard that is world-changing fruit. It's world-changing people. I don't know that you know that God's called you to change the world, man, but, he, but let me be the first to tell you, if not, that yes, this is the vineyard. God has placed you, man, in this church, all right? And, this, and he's placed you in a church that is focused on discipling you. This see, it's our responsibility to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, all right? To continue to provide you for more opportunities for growing. But you have to choose, man, to be discipled. I what do you want God to see when he looks at you? What do you want him to see? If God's looking at you, man, what do you want him to see? I mean, first thing you should want him to see is Jesus. And then a life that shows what Jesus looks like as it goes through his day. So this, this guy comes to his vineyard and he says, look at man, I don't see any fruit on this tree. And the vine dresser says, he says, look, you know, for three years, like, check this out, for three years now, I've been coming here and I'll find nothing. Cut it down, why should it use up the ground? And you know, after three years, this is a fair question, don't you think? You see, we, we know this with this kind of thinking that's taking place. You guys have been to school, all right? You learned some stuff in school, all right? I learned some stuff in school, all right? Some of the things I tried to teach people in school, is was kind of all the wrong things, but I learned some good stuff in school. I learned how to read, learned how to write, stuff like that, stuff I use today. All right. You learn things in school, man. And, and, and some of the things, some of you say, I didn't learn nothing. Well, you know what? You're reading, you're writing, you're motivating through 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 uh, you know, culture and stuff like that. You recognize some stuff that you're using. All right. You put some of that stuff to work. There was a there was a there was a vineyard called the school, a garden called the school, man. And it may have been your home school, it may have been a private school, it may have been a charter school, it may have been a public school, whatever the case may be, man. You came out with some fruit and you're putting it to work. Right? Some of you have gone to college, all right? four-year college, two-year college, four-year college, you know, six-year, seven, eight-year, whatever the case may be, and you learn some stuff and you're putting it to work in your life and it helps you create focus for your life. It was crazy, man, as we know this stuff. All right? And here's what blows me away because every time I meet people, all right, I, meet, I meet somebody, this blows me away when I meet somebody who's been in the church their whole life and you don't know why they're here. What went wrong there? I mean, we understand how, how, how education works and, 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 and all this stuff, man, but, 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 but when we come across people who have been, spent years and years in church and still not know why God has them here. And why is that? And I truly believe that we're stuck in all the wrong stories. I think we're just stuck in all the wrong stories, man. So we hear stories of success, and we're pursuing more and more success, or we're on the other end of the spectrum, and we're just trying to learn how to survive, and so we're just trying to figure out more and more ways to survive, and so in that, su- so that survive mode, we're looking at the success life, all right, we're in the middle here, we're just trying to find a place to get comfortable, and all the time, we're listening to all the wrong stories, I was at a wedding. Debbie and I went to a wedding last last weekend. An amazing couple been our first friends that we ever had in the church when God uh, brought us to his church 28 years ago. And uh, we met this couple and they invited us to their son's wedding last weekend. And it was crazy because we knew them when they didn't have a son. And uh, my, my, my buddy Rick, you know, the father of the groom, asked me if I would speak at the wedding. You know, the father of the bride was gonna speak and he do a toast. The father of the groom was gonna do a toast. And they wanted me to do up there and get, do some stand-up, I guess, you know? And uh, <laughs> i like, okay, whatever. And uh, so I had to get my jokes down, no. Uh, and so uh, so we went. And I thought it was kind of a, very honorable to speak. And I, I was thinking, I asked like, God, what do you wanna tell? And he said, tell, the, tell my story. And so when it was time for me to speak, I shared a story about how Debbie and I we knew this couple before they had their son. We knew them when they couldn't have a son and they were trying to have a baby and they were doing all these tests and stuff and stuff and they just weren't able to have a baby. And Debbie and I started praying for them. We said, we're just gonna pray for you to have a baby. And we were praying and praying and then, then like a year, almost a year went by, half a year I think at least went by and they were just not, not nothing happening. And one day I'm in the, on the balcony you know, to our apartment, it's an evening time, nighttime, and I'm praying. All right, and I'm out there praying. I'm asking God, man, can can you please just give them a baby, man? This is a good family. And I mean, you know, and I'm just kind of out there just pleading for God. I did not know it, but Debbie was inside the house pray, pray, uh, praying for God to give them a baby as well. And as I started praying, now this is going to kind of get weird. It's going to sound kind of weird. All right, all right. I, I was crazy because as I was praying, don't think I'm weird. I saw um, right in the parking lot a lizard uh, with a lizard vest on, and he was rolling a, a tomato. Just kidding. I didn't see that all right so just seeing if you guys are still listening all right anyways it was crazy man because as I was out there on the balcony praying all right but that would have been cool right to see that anyways but uh while I was out there praying all of a sudden I saw the biggest shooting star I ever saw in my life and I'm not saying that that's how God always speaks through shooting stars and I'm not saying just go out and start looking for shooting stars now all right uh and he doesn't he's never done that with me and and I just I was like whoa and I was like God are you going to, you're going to give them a baby. You're going to give them a baby, man. And I ran into the house and I told Debbie and she's like, what? And I'm like, because I scared her. And she's like, I go, I was praying for Rick and Tray. She goes, me too. I was praying for them to have a baby. And I saw a shooting star. She goes, I go, God's going to give them a baby. She goes, he just told me the same thing. I go, you didn't need a star or nothing? I was like, why in the world? How is it you hear from God so easily? Like he has to to throw stars and lizards with vests on and stuff. You know what I mean? To just talk to me. And, but anyways, I shared that story at the wedding. I didn't, and (laughs) I didn't get that crazy with the lizard and stuff, but, um, and I looked in the audience and people were crying and I was like, why are they crying Lord? Because they haven't been listening to good stories lately. They've been hearing all the wrong stories, man. And they've been convinced, all right, that, that these stories, man, that are just a few and far between. And they don't recognize that, that God wants to create these stories in each of their lives. All right, and God, is, and God is just kind of, you know, they have not been hearing stories about God. They have not been hearing stories, the right stories about Jesus. People need to hear better stories. When God comes and he's, he's, he's looking for fruit and doesn't see any, it's because we're, people are all caught up in all the wrong stories. You know, I have, a, I have a, a table, a discipleship table I meet with every Tuesday morning at 6.30 in the morning, man, and we get together. And the first question that, that, that I ask them as we sit down, and they're ready for this now, is, is how has God used you this week for his glory? Share a, share a story this morning of how God has used you this week for his glory. And it's so amazing to sit there and listen to these stories. Why is that important? Because we need to get used to looking for what God is doing and how we can join him in it. And we need to tell these stories. This is fruit. Let me ask you a question. What story do you wanna tell? And we're telling the stories all the time. What story is it that you want to tell, man? Come on, man. What story is it that you want to tell? Do you not know that God wants to create a story in your life that is going to change the world? It's going to absolutely change the world and impact the lives around you. So what do we do, man, when God looks into the vineyard and sees our tree, and we got nothing on it, right? What do we do when, when, when our lives have been fruitless, right, and... Uh, you know, we've been living that something life or maybe not, not nothing at all life and, and we're not living the everything life. Look what he does. This is kind of crazy, all right? So check this out. In Luke chapter 13, verse 8, he says this. He, he, he keeps going. He says, he says, well, you know Cut it down, man. There ain't no fruit on it. Check out what happens right here. I don't know if you recognize this by, by, by now, but, but the, the vineyard owner is God, and the vine dresser is Jesus in, these, in, this, in this enactment of this parable, all right? And we are the vineyard, okay? We got that? And so God is like going to Jesus, what's going on here, man? You know, and then and then so and then Jesus says basically, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Jesus is intercessing for us. Why? Because he has hope for us. I'm gonna read this again and I'm gonna see. (laughs) This freaks me out, man. He tells God, let it alone, sir. This year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Did you not just hear what's taking place? Jesus believes in you and believes in me, even when we're a withered up tree. That rhymed, and I didn't mean for it to do that, but <laughs> we could make that a song, right? Sounds like a country song. All right, anyways. <laughs> but, but Jesus believes in you, man. He believes in me enough to tell God, wait a second, hold on. All right, he, he believes in you and, and me enough to tell God, that, you know what, I'm working with them. Hold on, God. Let me do some work here. Think about your yesterday. Think about some of the junk that entered your mind yesterday, all right, that you allowed to entertain. Maybe some of the stuff that came out of your mouth that maybe shouldn't have came, you know, came out of your mouth because it doesn't really honor God. Think about maybe some of the things that you did yesterday that, you know what, may not be really right. And now think about God going, mm hmm. And think about Jesus going, hold on a second, God. Um, I, know. I know. I know, I know, trust me. Can I just give me one more minute? Give me a little, a little more time with him. Thank God, man, he does that. Man, he says, hold on a second, sir. He says, let it alone. He's still given us an opportunity to live the life that He has created us to live. The, the life that proves that the cross of Jesus Christ is real, man, and that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is real, man, and that, and, that, and that He is truly, truly alive. Let me ask you a question, man. What are you going to do with that opportunity? When God tells, when God's like, hey, man, and Jesus' is like, hold on a second, God. Hold on a second, Father. Wait, 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 wait. What are you doing with that opportunity? Come on, man. He says, hold on a second. Let me, and this is where it gets a little crazy. Let me dig around it a little bit. Let me dig around it. He's going to loosen the ground around us. And this is not comfortable for us. And this is hard for us. Jesus is loosening the ground there that has become so tight and packed around us, so um, even predictable around us, all right? That makes that, that, that kind of hard ground that makes everything an impossibility. It makes something kind of a maybe, I don't know. I mean, and nothing at all, pretty much the norm. That hard ground that is surrounding your life That has been packed through pain through suffering through hardships through victories through blessings through good good things and then stuff that just keeps you you just constantly constantly just packs around us that we consider to call this thing life god says let me open this up a little bit how's he doing in your life right now it's not that comfortable I got to ask you, man, when, when, when you have this dirt just packed around your life, man, and you're just standing there, and Jesus starts digging, are you like, no, 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 wait, 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 what are you doing? I'm using that. You know what I mean? When he starts to unpack your life, are you fighting him on it? Because a lot of times he's going to do it in ways that we really don't agree with. There's a cat named Joseph, not a cat, like a real cat, but a dude, all right, a cat. Sometimes I call people cats, and some people get that twisted, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's a cat named Joseph in the scriptures, and I loved uh, this story. My wife and I were talking about him all, uh, about a week ago, man, just kind of talking about his story, and it's pretty amazing. Joseph was the younger brother of 10 older brothers and an older brother of one younger brother, all right? And so, uh, but he was his dad's favorite. All right? And so, like, uh, he was uh, his, his father's favorite man, and so um, the other brothers had a problem with him, and then he would have these dreams they would kind of make, and he would share the dreams, and the other brothers were like, what, do you think you're better than us now, or what? What's going on here? And I don't know if I'd want to be a part of this family, because the brothers were like, okay, well, let's just kill him. All right? So, yeah, let's just kill uh, this you know, little brother of ours. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know if I want to be a part of that kind of family, um, but... Joseph was. And then an the older brother, thank God for him, all right, was like telling him his name was Reuben. He's like, no, nah, man, we can't kill him. We're just going to throw him in a hole. All right. Let's <laughs> we'll throw him in a big hole, man. And then you know, maybe we'll sell him to some people that come along down the road. All right. And so, you know, and then so God really started to do some digging around Joseph's life, started to open up some ground here. And so they threw him in this hole, and some slave traders, some Arab, uh, Arab slave traders came across, and they, and they bought him. Hey, how much you want for this guy? He's in this hole. And they took him, all right? And so they took him on, and they, they, they they ended up selling him to a soldier named Potiphar. All right? He had a really, really big farm. And the uh, scriptures say that you know, everywhere Joseph went was blessed, even though it was kind of a horrible life for him because he was a slave now, and now a slave on this place. Everywhere he went was blessed. And then you know, Potiphar's wife was like, hey, what's up, little boy? What's happening? You know, she was trying to pick up on him. Hey, what's happening, dude? And he put some music on and stuff. And she was like, hey, come on over. And he was like, no, man, I ain't having it. And she's like, come on, man. He's like, no, I ain't having it. Boom, come on, man. And finally, he just said, you know what? There's no way I'm going to sin against God and do this evil thing. He didn't say, you know what? I'm not going to do it because you know, you're know you not my type. You didn't do none of that. He said, Man, I ain't gonna do this because I ain't gonna sit against my God. And God was digging up ground around him, and she just went ahead and said, He did it anyways. This dude did that, man, and he was like, I didn't even do it. All right, and then they, they, then they threw him in a dungeon. And you'd think by now, you and I would be like, Man, I would have been, I would have thrown me in a hole, and I'm pretty much done. All right, now, now you know, they, they threw him in a dungeon, all right, and God is just dead, and it says that he kept, kept his faith, he kept just trusting God, and he kept you know, mentioning God and just kind of glorifying God there, and the whole prison now was blessed because of him. And he, and he kind of helped a couple of dudes out that were in there, and he said, hey, man, when you get out, just remember me, bro. And they're like, yeah, we're kind of cool, man, but they didn't. One of them died. And then the king, right, the pharaoh of Egypt, all right, and, uh, and, and he, he has these wicked dreams, and he's tripping out, he's like looking for somebody to help him out, and the one dude that was in prison with Joseph says, I know a dude, and so he yanked him out of prison. Long story short, he helped Pharaoh out, and Pharaoh kind of blessed him and made him kind of a ruler over much of Egypt, Meanwhile, back at the farm, Joseph's brothers are suffering some kind of of, 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 of hardship. Of, of There's a famine going on. There's no food, and the dad says, "Man, go to Egypt because they got they got some you know they got some stuff going on over there. They they got some good food. Just kind of plead and kind of you know and get us some food." And so the brothers went to Egypt, and guess who they had to ask for food? Je- Joseph. They didn't recognize him because he's all egyptian out, right? He's got his eyeliner on and craziness going on, all right? And so they didn't recognize him when he rolled in, all right? And he had just been through, man, Joseph has been through it in a hole, sold to slavery, man, who accused him of stuff he didn't do, thrown in a dungeon, boom, 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 dirt, dirt, dug, 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 aerated around him. And finally, the brothers come and they're like... Trying to get, And then Joseph reveals himself to him. He goes, man, it's totally me. And they freaked out, man. We're going to die. It's him. Well, how did this happen? And here's what he said. He goes, look at, man, what you meant for evil against me, Genesis 50, verse 20. You can, it's crazy. You can find this story in the latter verses, chapters of Genesis. You need to read your Bible because there's some crazy stories in there. It's some fun to read, man. I'm not even kidding. He says, what you meant evil against me, God meant for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph didn't stop praising God as God was digging dirt around him. All right, didn't stop trusting God. And ultimately, he was ready to be used by God even out of all the pain and suffering and the aftermath of all that. Let me ask you another question. When God breaks up the ground around you, all right, you can either, you know, harden your stance, man, like no one keep pounding the dirt back down, or you can hit your knees. Which do you do? What do you do? So Jesus says, man, hold on a second. Give him a little bit of time. Let me dig up all that rugged ground around them. And then let me add manure. <laughs> Alright, I guess it. <laughs> how did they figure that out? I mean, I'm just going back, I just gotta step out of the story a little bit. But how did somebody figure out that manure worked for plants? Who was that guy? said, I don't know, nothing working, I got some of this. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not using it. You know what I mean? <laughs> how, who, okay, anyways, sorry, I didn't, I know sermon prep there, like, don't go there. I was like, I can't help it. All right, um, so, but I will share with you this. All right, there is a pastor here in our church, and you know him well, that we call the grass man. Okay, not that kind of grass, all right? We call him the grass man because he knows how to grow some really good grass lawn, lawn, because he's not say that, lawn, all right, he knows how to grow lawn, really good, and he's really good at it, he's really knowledgeable, so when we were talking about this subject of manure in sermon prep, here's what he said, and I'm going to put this up there, all right, he said this, manure was the fertilizer of the day, it was used to provide the root system with nitrogen, greater top growth, all right, phosphorus, fruit production, and potassium, greater root growth and drought resistant, that was a quote by the grass man, and you can totally quote him, all right, and here's what what I like to, you know, he related this to us the, the, for us today that the gospel does the same thing as manure it produces growth in holiness all right in, 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 in we imitate Jesus Christ in character and we imitate Jesus Christ in mindset and in passion it produces righteousness as we walk, as Jesus walked in action and behavior. And so when, when, when God says, I just want to cut it down, Jesus says, hold on a second. Let me just dig around a little bit. Let me add some of this, 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 this nutrient. Alright, that's gonna produce growth and righteousness, all right, but it also produces perseverance when things get crazy, all right, in our lives. We have the same type of perseverance that Jesus had. I don't know if you recognize those a lot of times, man, Jesus got really, really threatened for his life to be taken, and ultimately it was. But he handled it with such poise and such amazing, amazing just 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 fortitude. Oh, there's a story in the scriptures where Jesus and John chapter eight, where they were gonna kill him. The religious leaders, man, were trying to kill him. They're trying to take the dude out. They're trying to take him out, man, because, you know, he claimed to be God. Well, guess what he was and is, and said that he got away from them. I mean, it was a real big scene. And you and I being caught up in a scene like that, we would need a minute, wouldn't we? Wait a second. These guys are going to throw rocks at me and kill me with rocks, all right, all because I'm trying to preach the truth? I need a minute, all right? I might need a day. I might need a week. I might need to take a month off. I need a sabbatical. I need to get out of here but not Jesus, because the very next verse says this, look it, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Jesus didn't need a minute, he stayed on mission. It would be very reasonable for us if we had that kind of trauma take place in our life that, you know what, I just can't see anybody right now because this is just blowing me away, this is hard. And I get it, and it's understandable, and we're not judged for that. But if we could be more like Jesus, look what Jesus did. He had that craziness happen in his life and immediately he saw somebody who needed help. And he expressed that love and that care. And you can read it in John chapter nine, it's pretty amazing. So when God comes and looks in the vineyard and he doesn't see fruit on your tree, and he's like, man, what's going on here? Man, just using up other nutrients from other trees that are producing fruit. And And Jesus says, hold on a second, God, hold on. Let me dig up the ground. Let me put manure on it. I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, where can I get this Jesus manure? hmm? Where can I get it? This is what he's talking about. And I want to challenge you right now. When you believe in and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that, that he gave his life for you, not only for you, but for the whole world, all right when 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 you trust that he has risen from the grave man and, and made and you when you have made him the king all right and the lord of your life you will not be able to to shake the desire to know him better to know him closer you will consistently pursue to to get closer to him and stay closer to him through prayer and submission to his word all right this becomes a life it becomes your life it becomes your breathing in life And when you fall into something mode and you start to push away your everything and you start heading for nothing at all, you will not be settled with that. You will not be comforted with that. You'll discover that a life on mission with Christ is the life that you were created to live. It is truly living fully alive. And finally, he says, he says, leave it alone. Let me dig around it. And uh, throw some manure, some nutrient to help it grow. And if it should bear fruit, look what he says here. And if it should bear fruit the next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. I have another question for you, man. I hope you're writing these questions down. I hope you're, uh, you're, you're, because these are not questions just for today. These are questions I have to ask myself all the time. Look at this next one, man. Is it, does your life in Christ look the same as it did the day you gave your life to Christ? Should it? Does it look the same? It just business as usual. Have you just carried on? And should it? When he says this, he says, that, you know, let alone, you know, let me, let me do this. And we dig it up, put manure around it. And he says, and if, I, if, I, you know, if it bears fruit next year, well and good. If not, we'll go ahead and cut it down. I'm trying to help you understand, man, in love, that the time left to, pr- to repent and to live a life worthy of repentance is short for all of us. You're like, oh, man, you're talking about the last days now. Man, every one of us are living in the last days, the day we were born. Why? Not? Why? Because no day is promised. Guess what, man? You walk out of this building, walk in front of a garbage truck, guess what? It was your last day. What are you going to do with that opportunity. What are you gonna do with that opportunity, man, to live fully alive for Christ, man, to to recognize that, you know what? I believe that Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose again from the grave, and I know that he is Lord of my life right here, right now. And even if today is my last day of breathing, that's what my breathing is gonna breathe, all right? A testimony to my King, to my Savior, to my Jesus, amen? Man, because when the time is up, it's up. So what about you? Is your life going to be an everything life? A something life? Or a nothing at all life? I want to challenge you, man. Choose an everything life. So here's what I want you to do this week. Put a little bit of rubber to the pavement for this for you. It's all something we need to consider. And I know some of you already have your Bible readings, your daily devotionals, your YouVersion apps, or whatever the case may be. I want you to, don't, don't stop that, continue in that. And if you're not reading the scriptures at all, I got something for you. And if you are doing those, those, those devotionals and whatnot, I still got something for you. All right, I want to give you a verse and I want you to put it in front just for the next seven days. I'm, I got the, I'm trying to read the Bible in two weeks, man, man, man you know, doing this thing. Put this in front of that. All right, put this in front of it. Whatever you're reading, just one verse and two questions. And then go ahead and read your thing, man, but take this verse and these two questions with you. All right, it's very simple. I just want you to do it for seven days. The verse is Psalms 103, verse one. I shared it with you earlier. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Take a moment to just breathe that that morning, tomorrow morning, or whenever you're reading, preferably in the morning, if you do your Bible study at night, still read this in the morning before you go to work and do these two questions. But give God the opportunity to speak into your life. Read this slowly tomorrow morning. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, make it personal. And all that is within me, me. Bless his holy name read that pray that verse and then ask these two questions first ask how will i do this with everything today how will i do this with everything today read that verse how will i do this and and then and answer the question don't just ask the question Answer it. Here's a way, here's a way, here's a way. And take it with you through the day. And the next question, extremely huge as well, who will benefit from this today? So you're going to read this psalm. All right, and you're going to pray that out to God. It's just one verse, man. You got this. He's got this. And then the two questions, how will I do this today? And write something down or put it to memory or whatever. And then who will benefit from this today? And think of that person and look for that opportunity. That was a lot. And if you need prayer, man, we're going to be right here to pray. And as we lead through this song, I ask you to stay with us and allow God to continue to work through you with everything. Amen. Say everything. Everything. Praise the Lord, man. You got the easy part done. Now it's your turn. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen.